Hi, and welcome to Failureology, a podcast about engineering failures. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm Brian, and we're both from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Welcome to our third mini-failure episode. We're bringing you engineering failures in bite-sized pieces. Make no mistake, these are still significant failures, but they either have pretty straightforward causes or not enough information available for a full episode of Failureology. Essentially, we have a list of failures we want to tell you about, but haven't been able to dig up enough info to talk about them for 45 minutes. These episodes are just a failure, no news and no ads, for now at least. It's like Failureology light. This week's mini-failure is about the CIS Insurance Building in Manchester, United Kingdom. The CIS Insurance Building was completed in 1962 and is 108 meters tall, the tallest office building in the United Kingdom outside of London, Manchester's 8th tallest building. It's a Grade 2 listed building, meaning that it's of important interest and should be preserved. It consists of a 5-story podium, steel frame with glass curtain walls, and metal window frame. Now, a typical building has things like the elevators, stairwells, bathrooms, any service spaces. Those are usually located in the middle of the floor plate, and we call this the core. And they do this so that they're all together, consolidated. There's there's less piping. You're taking up less usable or leasable floor space. You're not using any of the exterior walls, the windows, which is prime real estate. You're not using any of that for these service spaces. But... On the CIS insurance building, the core was actually built as a separate structure on the south side of the building. So this allowed them to do two things. One was that the floor plate was clear and had large open spaces. And second, the core being just a service space, it didn't require any windows. So this second building, this separate structure on the south side, was able to be clad in over 14 million centimeter square mosaic tiles. Yes, 14 million tiles. It's insane. Tiles are pretty small. I mean, they're very small, but 14 million is a, is a lot of tiles. Yes. And I, based on the fact, and we're going to get to this, but based on the fact that they fell off and that this was done in 1962, I don't think they were put on in sheets. I think they put on one tile at a time. That's a lot of man hours spent putting on tiny tiles. It's a retiling your entire shower. Except your shower has 14 million <laughs> tiles. Yeah. And that, that would be a really big shower. I, yeah, it's, um, it looked really cool, I will say. But yeah, very time consuming. I think that was part of the point, though. They wanted a really special feature. Yeah. And, and the floor plan, which is essentially like a, a giant open concept, open floor plan for a fairly tall building is actually, uh, is actually pretty neat. Yeah, I'm. I haven't worked on a project like this where the core is kind of separate from the main structure. I, I That was what drew me into this failure, honestly, to begin with. I was really, really interested with how they designed the building as a whole. You don't, this isn't something you see very often. It's not very common. I, I'm sure there's reasons why it's not. It's, it's potentially, I mean, obviously, if you're going to build it, if you're obviously, if you're going to enclose it with the tiles, it's probably going to be more expensive. But there's other ways to do this that I think, you know, would be, would be really interesting. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure why it's not done as much, but I really like it. And I think we should do it more. Yeah. It, uh, it does seem kind of neat. Um, I did work in a building years ago that had a similar, similar story, but I think it was still built around, um, like an elevator core and a service core was kind of just C-shaped around the, around the elevator core, but there was quite a bit of open space and everything kind of elevator and 
associated services was all just on one one side of the building. Yeah. But that building was also built, um, I believe, back in the early 60s as well. Anyway, back to the CIS insurance building in Manchester. So six months after construction, the mosaic tiles, a few of the 14 million tiles, began to fall off because there were no expansion joints in the concrete. So this went on until 2004, or 42 years after after it was initially constructed. So just for re- this is very very dangerous. This building is 118 meters tall. It's 118 meters tall, and so I mean the tiles aren't all falling off the bottom. They're falling off various places. Those tiles get going at quite a clip, coming all the way down to the ground. I don't. I I'm. I think they had to block off maybe not the street, but probably the sidewalk around the building during certain, maybe certain times of the year or under certain conditions to prevent someone from getting hit by a flying tile. Like that's, that would be really unfortunate if you're just walking down the street and there's just tiles flying at you. I, that It's not a scenario I would care to be a part of. No, I don't think anyone would want to be a part of that scenario. And it's probably why when we're doing building construction that, you know, a, a lane or you know, the sidewalk around the building is blocked off just in case anything does depart from the building during construction or during a lift of something. It significantly reduces the potential for somebody to be injured that just walking by or driving by the building. Yeah. Um, but for a building that's completed, you don't expect tiles to be falling off for 42 years. <laughs> oh, no, that's crazy. But what they did to correct this is my second favorite part about this building so the core being offset was what what drew me in but but this part really kept me there brian what what did they do to cover up these tiles well nicole to cover up these tiles uh cis consulted solar sentry to install blue building integrated photovoltaic cells that can generate 180,000 kilowatts of electricity per year so they essentially built they essentially clad this entire core piece that used to be covered with tiles with solar panels which is so cool. Yeah, it, it seems it seems like an all-around win. They they solved their problem with the tiles falling off, and they're making money by generating electricity from their building, from yeah. solar panels. And I think the way they did it, they didn't even have to take the tiles off. I think they just put this over top of them. There were probably enough tiles that had fallen off that they could just attach it to the structure of the building at this point. Potentially, yeah. Possibly. CIS began feeding electricity that they generated from the outside of their building into the National Electric Grid in 2005. And the project cost five and a half million pounds and was partly funded by the Northwest Regional Development Agency and the Energy Savings Trust at the Department of Trade and Industry. They also installed 24 wind turbines on the roof that generate 10% of the tower's electricity. Such a cool project. I would like to see more of this. I've also read about... I don't know if it's a film you put on. It, there probably is something similar or they're working on something similar to retrofit, but I think there's also different types of glazing that you can get or glass that you can get that has solar energy capture in it so that you can basically make your windows uh, generate electricity, which I think is is really cool and something I hope to see more of. I mean, especially if we're going to keep down this road of all glass buildings, it'd be really nice to to generate some electricity, especially with all the cooling that they require. Yes. Yeah. So there you have it. The CIS insurance building in Manchester. This is a really cool project, which I think I've said multiple times by now. Yes, I know you get it. One, because they found a creative solution to the failing tile mistake. 
And now they have a solar tower, which is really exciting. I would absolutely love to do one of these in Canada, specifically in Calgary, just because that's where I live. And then I can look at it all the time. Also, Calgary is one of the sunniest cities in Canada. I believe we get over 300 days of sunshine in Calgary. Yeah, I think Medicine Hat has the title of sunniest city in Canada, but... They don't have a lot of super tall buildings in Medicine Hat, though. No, like we're... I mean... I think I'd like to think we're cooler than Medicine Hat, but we do we do get a lot of sun. We actually, um, interestingly enough, we're in we have a very extreme winter. But as far as HVAC loads, because our solar loads are so high, because our sun we have so much sun, usually our cooling dictates our equipment sizes. When we have equipment that does heating and cooling, usually we size the equipment based on the cooling load, and then the heating load is always just adequate enough because. The heat, the cooling loads are so high. That actually sounds really cool, especially because the heating and cooling unit in my condo currently is under repair and doesn't work. It does not generate heat or cooling right now. Let's take that offline. I have questions. Okay. Thanks for listening to this mini failure episode. For our regular episodes, check out Failureology wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to chat with us, our Twitter handle is at Failureology. You can email us at thefailurologypodcast at gmail.com, or you can connect with us on LinkedIn. And we've got links to all of these in the show notes below. Bye, everyone. Talk soon.